Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Who got your Bible? Who got your Bible? I mean, you wanted to say oof, oof, didn't you? But anyway, you got your Bible? You got your Bible? I hope you do because I want you to see it today. I really do. I really do. The Lord sort of touched my heart with something this last week, and I want to share some things with you today along that line, but I want to show you something as we do. But everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today, we taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah real big, amen. Glory to God. In the book of Mark, chapter 5 is where I want you to go. Mark, chapter 5 is where we're headed to. But on our way there, I want to share something with you. We are strange beings. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that we are wonderfully made. And God has created us. I've got one slide up there, number one. Everybody, don't put it on yet. Don't put it on yet. Don't put it on yet. But i got one up there ready to go, I think. And uh, what I want you to do is look at the overhead. And the slide's going to come up. And then it's going to uh, be taken away. So I want it just on and off. As quickly as you guys can make that happen, and you can do it any time you want to. It should be off by now. About 20 years ago, it should have been off. We, uh oh, we didn't. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. What did that say? What? It said what? No, it didn't. Put it up now and let it stay a little bit longer. Oh, please, sir. If we, what does it say? Wow, CNA. I think that's someone works at the. What, Martha Franks or at the, uh, the nursing home, a CNA or the, ooh, ooh, why you, oh, why you, sound like some university somewhere, doesn't it? Uh, maybe in Oklahoma, uh, rad, 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 tis, tis, but all of you said, can you read this, didn't you? You said, you know why? What happens is this, when we look and we see things, our eyes take that picture and send it to our mind, and our mind interprets what the eyes saw. And depending on what you have been seeing out in front of you will depend on what your mind tells you that it is. I got a couple more if you want to just do some fun. You got another one up there that we can uh, slide over to. Seventy uh, percent of the public can't spot the mistake in the text. Does anybody see the text? Real quick, you see the mistake? Anybody see it? Anybody see it? I only got one hand. Only one hand sees it. Just I see two hands. I see three, four. You're thinking a little bit now. Five hands. Is that it? Tell all the rest of us, what is that mistake? Had what? Percent, percent. No, the, the. The, the. These in there twice, but we didn't see it, did we? What's our next one I've got? 
What's, what? Can you read that? Do you find this simple to read? Because of the a phenomenal power of the human mind, most people do. How many can read that? Wait a minute. Can you read it? You can read it, can't you? But it doesn't say what I just said at all, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that at all. Well, the first one says D.O. does. But the rest of it and the last D.O. And that's the part of the code. The first and last needs to be saying. But it doesn't. And the last one. What's the last one? A little funny one I put up. What is it? What's the next one? Oh, your brain is so powerful that it can read sentences with mixed up words as long as the first and the last letters are in the right place. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by its, uh, itself, uh, but the word as a whole. Now, how many can read that? You can read that? Okay, you can take it back put my other thing back, other slide back up. Now, you say, why are you showing me that? Why, why, because what I want to show you is this. And this answered a lot of questions for me last, last week. When I was praying and the Lord just dropped that in my heart while I'm praying. Why is it that some people here and here and here, but they never heard it? Isn't that, isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? How you can say something again and again and again, but they didn't hear it. Sometimes we read stuff, but we, but we don't read it. Turn, turn to Isaiah. You're right there. Turn to Isaiah chapter uh, 55. Let me show you something, that little comment I gave you a little bit, just bypassed it last week. We're looking at Isaiah 55, and uh, let me show you something. Um, this is so common. Isaiah 55, <clears throat> the Bible tells us there, let me get there if I can, wherever I'm supposed to be, Isaiah uh, 55, and you can see that verse oh, 8, 55 verse 8, Scripture says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. How many ever heard that verse of Scripture before? Somebody say amen. And we do. And you find Christians everywhere saying that. Well, you know, the Bible said, thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. That's what it says. And so we can't expect to think like God, and we can't expect to, you know, understand things like God understands them, and God's so far above us that we cannot possibly comprehend Him. But you just read verse 8. Now back up one verse, just one only. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts. So whose thoughts is he talking about? Is that right? It's the wicked. This is what you read. So as Christians, we should never be Speaking that verse, not at all. No, 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 no. But yet you hear it all the time, and you hear Christians speak that all the time. If we went to 1 Corinthians, maybe we don't have time to get all of that today. But if we went to 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 2, or I don't know, 16, 18, right along in there, we'll find that the Bible says that we have, as children of God, we have the mind of Christ. We have, the, everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. And so we've got the mind of Christ, but yet... Anywhere you go, just about. I've heard seminary professors, in fact, that's who told me that about three weeks ago, about that particular passage of Scripture, and quoted it. And so he quoted it in his words, which they're not his words because he didn't know it, but out of context. It wasn't within the context of what we're reading, and it did not make any sense to what he said, and it didn't apply, but yet he thought it did. So what have you read? Or what have you seen? If any of you have ever worn glasses or something like that, when you get glasses, they have this thing called accommodation. 
and you get your glasses or you get a new set of specs or whatever they might call them, that kind of thing, and you say, I can't see out of these things. And you call and you tell the eye doctor, I can't see out of these things. And the eye doctor says, well, you need to wear them a while. So that what? So that you can get used to them, right? Because your brain has been used to interpreting things through your old eyeglasses. Through your old ones. And then when you get new ones, your brain says, what's this? What's this? And it still wants to see the old ones until the new ones are worn long enough to take effect. And then you begin seeing things. Your eyes accommodated. It's called accommodation. Your eyes accommodated what you were viewing, what you were looking at. And what happens is this. Sometimes we, as children of God, we don't read what we thought we read. We don't hear what we thought we heard. That's why... It is extremely and vitally important that you take this book, the Word of God, the Word of Almighty God, and whatever I say to you, if you well, you know, I, I know what that is. Well, maybe, maybe you do, but maybe you don't. Me too. We're both in the same boat. And that you check it out for yourself and you read it for yourself, line upon line, precept by precept as the Bible teaches, and you read it for yourself and see it for yourself. And sometimes you have to read it again and again and again and again till finally you may say something like this. I've read it a hundred times, but wow, I never saw that before. What happened? You, your brain finally got accommodated what you were reading. And it finally popped into your brain. Hey, that's what it's saying. And so that, that's why you don't need to take my word for something. You don't need to take anybody's word for it or any preacher's word. Go to the word of God and see what the Bible says. And whatever it says, let that cut new paths in your memory, in your different connections your brain are making. Let it cut new roads and new furrows, you might call it, new paths in your life to where your mind and new old things, and the old things were of the world or weren't right, not necessarily saying sinful, but it just wasn't what was being said, and yet you thought that, and you never gave your mind, your brain, a chance to be renewed, as it says in the book of Romans chapter 12, and then we're renewing of our mind, a metamorphosis, as AJ talked about last week, and it becomes something different. You have to get your mind to that place, be renewed. And, and once it gets to that place, then you're at a clear I'm calling it a clear level or a clean level with God of hearing what God is saying and God is saying what you think he is saying and you are hearing what you think you hear him saying and he is saying it in reality and it's in the truth. Because the Bible says in the book of John chapter 8 verse 32, what is it? You shall know the truth and the truth shall what? It shall make you free. So once I lock into the truth of the word of God, it'll change my mind, my heart, my life, my story. It'll change everything about me. And so it is vitally important vitally important that we not that we not just you know maybe use one gate to, to get things done in our life such as hearing that's a good one but also visual that's another gate if you've got visual opportunities please use them too and follow in your bible keep your bible open it will be a different reality to you when you hear someone speak or preach or teach it's a different reality if you're following along in the word of god and you're seeing what scripture is saying and so stay clearly with the Word of God. And that's the thing that the Lord told me this last week as I'm praying in my prayer study. And as I'm there walking before God and praying, that's what comes in my life. There's a reason some people don't get the message that was delivered or the message that was sent or the message that God said or the words that God spoke is because they thought they were hearing, but they weren't hearing. They thought they were seeing, but they were not seeing. And so just like these little tests that we, we see there, it shows you how the brain works. And so how many wants a renewed mind? Somebody say amen. amen. 
Well, we get that by hearing and hearing the Word of God and letting it renew our mind, letting it do it constantly. If not, we could be taken astray, particularly in this last day of deception that we live. There's a time of strong delusion that has entered into the earth. And you have some of the things going on today that people take for granted or people fight for, fighting for the ridiculous, fighting for the, the thing that's just absolutely crazy, and yet people fight for those things. What's wrong with their mind? They've been deluded. They've been deceived. The strong delusion has come their way. And it will affect all of us and take us that way. Maybe it won't take us the whole way. If we allow it, it will. Maybe it won't take us the whole way, but it may just nibble along the sides here and there. And the little things in our life that, that we've just heard people say, and we call them chimney corner scriptures. In other words, uh, you know, God helps those that help themselves. Verse one, so of what, you know, chapter seven, not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Of course it's not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness, uh, Psalm 48, 9. It's not in the Bible. Not th- those are called chimney corner scriptures. They're scriptures that we all think are there, but they're not in the Bible. They're in the chimney corner. They're not in the Bible. And there's a lot of things like that in our life that uh, we think we know that we don't know. We think we've heard that we haven't heard. So, like the scripture says, be diligent. Be diligent, 2 Timothy 2.15, to study the word of God. To show yourself approved of God, a workman that needeth not be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we do that in our lives. We study the Scripture. So that's where we're headed today. Look at Mark chapter 5, and let's sort of read our text that I've been talking about here for the last couple of sessions that I've been with you, and we'll go from there and see what else God's got for us. What I've got for you today, and what I'm getting into, if I ever make it there, and I'm, I'm doing my best to make it there, and so if I make it there for today, I'm not talking to you about a theological concept that we want to argue about. I'm not talking about a, a different knowledge that you and I can compare knowledge with one another. I'm sure you would win. I don't want to talk to you about about any kind of things like that, I'm talking about something that really works. Amen. Really, really, really does work. It will really do what it says it will do. In this application we're talking about, in this particular passage of Scripture, she's talking about healing that she's receiving, this little woman here with the issue of blood. But the principles that work for healing will also work for other things in your life. It'll work in your relationship with God, drawing close to Him. It'll work in your, as AJ talked about, your financial life. It'll work in your harmonious lives of your relationships with your uh, spouse, the folks that you love, that you care for, your children. It, it'll work. It'll work in all kinds of ways of your life. So it's a principle that comes forth. And a principle that's truth will work in any application. And so, look at Mark chapter 5 and verse, verse 25. The Bible says, And there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years. And had suffered many things and many physicians and spent all that she had. And was nothing better but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Notice, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And I title this message, Your Faith Can Make You Whole. If her faith can make her whole, then my faith can make me whole. If her faith can make her whole, your faith can make you whole. Everybody say, my faith 
can make me whole. Say it again. Say, my faith can make me whole. And that's something that you build into your heart and life until you enter into this realm of belief that we're going to be talking about. Belief, not hope, but belief. Now, we looked at that. That's our text that we took. We talked about that very first point. I mentioned your faith can make you whole. This woman had a real problem, real sickness, real disease. It was 12 years long. This wasn't something that was light. She spent all of her money to physicians to try to get rid of it, to try to, to be you know, healed of whatever was going on in her life, and, and it didn't happen for her. And gave everything she had. But the scripture still tells us here that this woman here with this issue of blood, it was her faith that made her whole. We looked at the fact in Acts chapter 10 verse 34 where Peter learned about the house of Cornelius that God is no respecter of persons. If God will make this woman whole based on her faith, God will make you whole based on your faith. It's, it, you've got to get past that one point. If you think you are some special character that God has carved out and just won't do something for you because he just doesn't happen to like you, good as he likes this woman, you have a wrong understanding of the Bible. Clearly, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. In the book of Romans, chapter 2, and also verse 11, it says that God is no respecter of persons. Two times. Let every word be established in the mouth of two or three, the Bible tells us. So that's at least two times. Point blank, it's told us. Many other examples it gives us. But at least point two times, it's told us God is not a respecter of persons. Get past that. Get past that you are some special case that God just won't do it for you or God has another plan for you, another way, another direction, something else going on in your life. No. Get past every bit of that. Let it be settled in your own mind. Let it be settled there first, even before it might be settled in your physical body or before it's settled in your financial life or any other part of your life. Let it be settled in your mind. I know, I know that I know that I know that I know that God doesn't love anybody else more than he loves me. Everybody say, I know God doesn't love anybody. Say it again, anybody more than he loves me. Amen. What's that song we used to sing? It is no secret. I'm in the wrong key. What God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Remember that arms wide open? Remember that song? It's no secret what God can do. We sung it. We sung it. We sung it. We sung it. Yet many people that heard it sung would walk away thinking, well, I wish God would do for me what he's done for them. And we just got through singing what he's done for others, he'll do for you. It's good to sing it. It's better to have the word of God on a situation. And the word of God is God is no respecter of persons. He is not. He is not. You do the same thing they do, you'll get the same thing they got. It's just that simple. It's a fact of life that's not being changed for anybody. All right. So we talked about that. Then in Mark chapter 5, verse 27, let me share just a couple things with you there. When, he, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, now you're reading that in Mark 5, 27. Let me make sure I'm there for sure. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 27 is when you're reading that. This is what this little woman did. And what I discovered was this, that what you do as an act of faith and what you do as an exploit, the Bible says in the book of Daniel uh, 11 and 12 and 2, that they that do know the Lord shall be strong and do exploits. And so what you do is an exploit in your life, something extraordinary in your life, like Paul did in Acts 19 11, when God brought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought the hangers of aprons and the diseases departed out of them, the evil spirits went out of them. And so the exploits, the extraordinary things that you do in your life are sometimes things that other people will look at and copy and mimic. 
No, nothing wrong in that. It needs to become yours as you do it. But if it's a good thing, then you are all right to follow it, as Paul talked about in his walk with God. And so if we look in Mark chapter 5 and verse 27, we see what the woman did. When she heard of Jesus, came behind the press and touched his garment. Turn over one chapter, Mark chapter 6 and verse 56. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 56, the Bible tells us there that, and whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So it wasn't just this little woman that said, if I can touch the border of his garment, I'll be made whole. It was her, of course. But it wasn't her and her alone. It wasn't only her. I wish God would do for me like he did for that little woman with the issue of blood. He will. How do I know? Well, he did it for thousands right after that, the next chapter. You just read it. They heard about her doing it, and they said, well, if she did it, based on Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that he will rise with healing in his wings or the border of his garment, then they said, we can do it too. And they did. And so what you see them do in the Bible, they are there for an example. For you and Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that. It's therefore an example for us, and we can follow that and do the same things that they did and get the same things they got. Why? Because God's not a respecter of persons. If that woman got healed that way, then all these people said, well, she got healed that way. We can too. I can show you two other places. We don't have time now. But if we were in the book of Matthew, you can read the same story in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. When it says she was healed when she touched the hem of his garment. And then in Matthew chapter 14 verse 36. It says other people came and they also touched in the garments of, of Christ as well. The hem of his garment. And they were getting healed. So at least four times in the Bible. It tells us about these people getting healed when they did the same thing. When they were believing on the same word she believed on. Did the same thing she did. Then it happened for them too. So then God's not a respecter of person. It's a proven fact. God doesn't put one above another or put one down and lift another one up just because he might like you and not like you. That's not the case. It doesn't happen in the economy of God. And so when we see this woman doing this, she came, she heard of Jesus in, in Mark 5 and 27. She heard of him. And that's what we have to do with our hearing. Make sure we're hearing, as a little illustration I did, make sure that you're hearing properly what God is saying and what the Word is saying unto you. Make sure you get it right. Don't get it wrong because it can cost you all kind of things in your life if you get it wrong. So get it right, hear it exactly. And because Scripture teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so as I hear the Word of God, faith is generated in my life. A good story about what God did for me might inspire some folks. That don't bring faith. Faith comes by the hearing of the Word of God. Only one time in all of the Bible, only one time in all of the Scripture, do we find that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so as we pray before God, that's great. But what do you need to do to get faith? You need to hear the Word of God. Keep the Word of God flowing into your life continually. Day in, day out, keep the Word of God flowing into your life. Don't let it slip, the book of Hebrews tells us. Don't let this great salvation slip from you. Keep it moving in your life. Don't give up on it. Let it stay there again and again and again. I'm going to hear the Word. I'm going to speak the Word. I'm going to believe the Word. I'm going to walk the Word. I'm going to talk the Word. I'm going to act the Word. We're going to stay in the Word again and again, over and over and over again. We hear the Word of God. How many wants to be a hearer? Say amen. If you are a hearer, then you will become a believer. Amen. It's without fail. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If someone says, well, I guess I just don't have much faith. What you just said was, I'm not listening to the word of God. Because it is an impossibility to hear the word of God and faith not to come. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh. It's continually coming to those who are hearers of the word of God. And so as we hear the word of God, it is bringing faith into our life. We saw in the scripture several places where they came to Jesus to hear and to be healed. Not to be healed first, but to hear and then to be healed. To hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. And so the starting point for healing, the starting point for healing is hearing. Hearing. I don't know if, if you have any. If you don't, you probably ought to get you some. But... Um, did you know that back in the day there were cassettes and back in the day there were CDs and back in the day now there are downloads that you can get where you hear nothing but healing scriptures, healing scriptures. And someone might start you off in Exodus fifteen twenty six about I am the Lord God that heals thee. And, you know, we might go to the book of Psalms 107 and 19, 20, send his word and heal thee. All those things that begin taken through. And if you're having an issue in healing of your life, then the first thing do. First thing, get you a download of that. Get you a CD. Get you something. Cut off the crazy box that we listen to in our house and cut off that thing and get you something. In fact, load it. I have a phone here, and I've got it loaded here on my phone, and I listen to it around the clock. Around the clock, I'll listen to things of God and hear preaching and teaching of the Word of God and t- sometimes just, just scriptures just being spoken, the Word of God being read continually, 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 and what that does is continually, continually build faith in your life. Now then, think about it. Sometimes, if we have sickness and disease in our, in our body, then we will do, as we should, as we should, we will do everything we possibly can do to receive healing. Amen. We will call a doctor. We will, after we ever get him on the phone, right, the receptionist on the phone, call a doctor and we'll make an appointment. We will take time off of our work. We will set aside that appointment. We block our schedule. Come see me today. Do, do this, Leon. No, I can't. Got this appointment today. And you make time for that appointment. And you get dressed. You wear whatever's appropriate for you to go to that particular exam or testing or doctor appointments. You go to, and you go and you listen to what the doctor says, intentively listening to him of what he's saying and what he's talking about, those kind of things. And, and, and sometimes it's a little hard to listen to him. I remember a doctor one time I had when I broke my arm several years ago. And I was talking to him about it. And he, he asked me, I, I asked him, I said, what you doing? He said, I'm doing this. And I said, well, how's that going to work? And he said, we're like this and something. And I asked him another question. He said, let me ask you something. Uh, you write the book? I said, no, but it's the body that you're working on. And I want to know what you're doing. And, he, and he, you know, he's very, he had the worst bedside manner of anybody I've ever seen. He's, he's a good, good surgeon, but he was a terrible guy's bedside manner. But he wanted to know those things. But we spent that time, I asked and told him. Then you go home, you look it up on the Internet, you do this, you do that. Out there, and they say, okay, here's what you need to do. Go home and take this and uh, send a prescription to a, a, a place, a drugstore. And, and you go there, and you wait, and you get it filled and that kind of thing. Then you got it, and you go home. And it's got directions right on the bottle. It tells you how many of these to take every day or every how often you've got to take them and take two or three, five, five, I don't know, whatever it might would say, and you get that prescription, and, you, and you, you set it down, and you don't put it anywhere else in your house, you put it right there on the counter, right there at your house, on the bar, wherever it might be, and you got it right there, and sometimes you just write a little note on there, okay, beep, take this, and whatever you might do, and you're going to follow those directions, you're going to do all of that, and you're going to take it for a while, and doctors say, come back, see me again, you come back, see him again, how'd that do for you, and whatever, and you give them the answer, and well, we might need to do this, and do that, and say, well, you might need a little surgery, 
might need to operate on you, take something out, maybe try to put something in. I don't know what they might do. And all those kind of things. And then you spend time and time and days and weeks and months and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to, to, to do all of those kind of things. Do every bit of that kind of stuff in your life. But why don't we have you know, at least a few minutes a day for the Word of God? Somebody say amen. And, and if that's where we're at, we're sort of flip-flop on our priorities, aren't we? Why, why would I spend time with the Word of God in my life if it could help me or, or maybe just altogether make it not useful for me to go to the doctor or anything like that because it's already done by the power of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And the reason is, is that particular fact right there. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If people don't believe, they'll be healed. They really, really, really don't. See, y'all pray for me. See, somebody's next day, y'all pray for me too. Third day, somebody, y'all pray for me too. Hey, you know them? Yeah, call them, tell them, pray for me. I mean, tell everybody to pray for me. I mean, let's call into every prayer chain we can call in. Let's ask every way we can ask it and whatever. And you really don't believe in. Somebody say amen or oh me, which one will say. No, no, no. Because if you know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, you know, you know it. And the only way you got there is because you heard it, and you heard it, and you heard it, and you finally believed it. And that belief was so powerful in you, it created a healing force on the inside of your life. People used to get mad years ago with Kenneth Copeland because he talked about the force of faith. I can't help it. It is a force. Amen. Get mad all you want to. It still is. It still is. It is something that will do something. It'll work in your life. If her faith made her then your faith will make you whole. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's get to where we need to be. All right. Mark 5, verse 28. As she said, or for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. If I may but touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. What she said was, if I may but touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. She said, if I touch his whole clothes, I'm made whole. She said, if I can touch the hem of the border of his garment, I'll be made whole. She said, if I touch him, I'll be made whole. The rest of the crowd around here at that time didn't say it. And the rest of the crowd didn't get anything. But she was different than them in that, she said, they asked Jesus, you said somebody just touched you, you see this whole crowd, everybody's touching you. And Jesus virtually says unto them, not like this, because virtue went out of me. Somebody touched me and made a demand upon the power that was in Jesus. That's what the woman did. How did she make that demand? We make demands most times. We say something. And she said, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. When you pray or when you believe on the Word of God and you're acting on the Word of God, it's, it's not something that you should pray that problem. I'm not saying you can't speak the problem and say, okay, God, here's the situation. This is what they say I got. This is what they say is happening to me. This is what they say is taking place. This is what my body's telling me that's taking place. It's what it's saying in half my I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, say that one time or whatever. 
But if you spend all your prayer time saying, oh, God, you know how much it hurts. You know how much problem I got. Lord, won't you do something? I'm in a terrible fix. I'm in a terrible way. Oh, Lord, I don't see how I can make it. If you spend your time praying your prayers like that, you're going to stay right, right there with what you've been praying and what you've been saying. It's not. That ain't what she said. She didn't say, if I can touch him, I'll still have this thing another 12 years. She didn't say that. She didn't say, I've got this terrible blood disease and I'm going to continue having it. She didn't say it. She didn't say, y'all don't know how much problem it caused me. She didn't say that. She didn't say, you don't know the circumstances in my life that has caused this. She didn't say that. She said one thing, there was a positive thing in her life. She should have said, she did say, if I touch him, I get healed. That's what she's saying. Why? Because that's what she's believing. That's what she's saying because that is absolutely what she is believing. She believes. She believes that if she touches his garment, she's going to be made whole. How do I know? She said it. She said it. And you and I have to change the language of our life. If we have a language of doubt and unbelief and fear and failure, change that language. If you get dropped down into China or Japan or Russia and you start speaking and nobody can understand you, you're probably going to have to change the language you're speaking. Or else you're not going to be able to communicate. If you want to communicate with faith and with healing, you have to have a faith and healing language about you. You've got to change what you're saying. And so we do not say the problem. We do not say the difficulty or the circumstance. We say the answer to it. We say what it is that we're believing God to do in our life. If we have a place of sickness and disease in our body, what we say is, I mean, you know, I shared it with you before. I'm a, just a little excursion I had maybe a month ago. And uh, that kind of thing, tear, meniscus tear. And first thing I've said was, the devil's a liar. Now, for me, that just sums up a whole lot of things. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. And when my knee was hurting me, I said, knee in Jesus' name. You're healed. What are you doing this for? You are healed in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. And you're healed in the name of Jesus. And the devil is a liar. I mean, that's my first words coming out of my mouth. So for, you know, and these words we say sometimes in our lives, well, uh, my problem or, or, or my sickness or my disease or my this or my that. Quit calling it mine. Quit, quit claiming it. Quit claiming it's yours. Let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Quit holding on to it. You hold it on. Quit holding on. Quit holding on. My this or my that. My something else. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I don't want to talk about those things and go into those. I say more about any personal physical problems I've been through right here in this pulpit than ever in my whole life. I do that in illustrations and, you know, sometimes talking to you guys. But outside of my normal life, I don't talk about stuff like that all the time. Not at all. Not at all. And my wife and I, we both, we, we, we like that. I, mean, I, I could be walking in the, uh, in the house and fall down half dead on my uh, leg where that meniscus tore was. Sheila wouldn't say what's wrong at all. She said, get up. What she said, get up. <laughs> a friend of mine was ministering many years ago. He had a problem with one of his eyes, and he passed a very large church in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, he was there, and uh, I, I knew a, a, a pastor of his, an associate pastor with his, and he had one eye that just wouldn't track with the other one. And uh, the, the, the associate pastor one time asked him, he's, well, he said, hey, Brad. And he said, what's wrong with your eye anyway? Brad said, which one? <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about. 
He didn't know what he's talking about. Well, God gave him a wonderful blessing with healing in his life. But you know, the, the thing is this, is, is you need to say what the answer is you want. Don't say what you don't want. You don't call your dog and say, dog, go there. You say, dog, here. Right? Dog, here. We got that little dog at our house. and Wow. I mean, you know, uh, sheep-a-doodle is what he is. He's a, he's a mix between a, a, a shepherd, uh, an old-wing sheepdog, and a, and a poodle. And uh, they mixed him, and Sheila just fell in love. And they even put her video on their website of her when she first got him uh, on there, which they'll do a lot of things for $2,500. I mean, they'll do a bunch. So anyway... They, they put it on there. And, uh, you know, we don't say to that dog, uh, you know, go there when we want him to come here. Well, she says to him, for example, he'll come in and be bouncing all around on all fours like this. And, and she'll have a, a little dog treat she's about to give him. And Sheila says, sit. Sit. And he's just bouncing everywhere. He's bouncing everywhere. He's bouncing off the walls. <laughs> but finally, he learns to sit. And Sheila got what she said. He sit. And then he gets a dog biscuit. He said, and then sometime after that, a couple hours later, I might get fed. But anyway, he gets his first. So say what you want. Don't say what you don't want. Don't be complaining about what your problem or your issue is. Get past that and say, well, I'm healed in Jesus' name. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for healing. I'm believing for healing. Outright healing in Jesus' name. We're healed. All right. So she said, if I touch him, I get healed. That's what she said. Now, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. My goodness. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. We have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. The same spirit. The same. The same. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. We have the spirit, same spirit of faith according as it is written. Faith is always as it is written. Faith is not as what you want it. Faith is not as what you wish it. Faith is what it is written. Somebody says, I have faith for this, that, and the other. And I was going to say, well, what scripture are you basing your faith on? Well, not any, really. I just know God's a good God, and I just believe it for it. No, you're not. Not biblically, you're not. Not biblically, not. It's all right to have that kind of attitude. Okay, if you want to have that attitude, that's fine. But you still haven't entered into the land of faith yet. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by hearing and hearing by what you want, by hearing by what you wish, by hearing what you hope happens. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must have Scripture for what you're believing God for. That's it. That's it. You've got to have Scripture. There ain't no other way around it. You must have a Scripture to base your faith on, or else you don't have biblical faith. You could have a hope. You could have a want to. You could have a I like it like that. You know, all those things, but you don't have faith unless you have a Scripture. And so then, we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. This is the easiest thing the world will do. According as it is written, I believed. Well, based on what I believed, therefore I have spoken. I believed and I spoke. I believed and I spoke. I believed and I spoke. Some people get hung up on the speaking part. Do you have to speak? You know what? It's like this. If you don't speak, you probably don't believe because the Bible says you believe and you spoke. And if you do believe, you won't have any problem speaking. It won't be a problem to you saying, I got it when you got it. You believe and you speak it. And that's what we do. I believe. So when I turn to the Word of God, regardless of my circumstances or situation of life, I turn to the Word of God and see what it says about me. And I read what it says about me. I believe what it says about me. And I say what it says about me. 
Consequently, I act on what it says about me. And as I do, the law of sowing and reaping comes into effect. And I reap what I said that I believe that what I acted on. It's that simple. It's no difficult. It's not any harder than that. That's how that it works. And so, he said, we also believe and therefore we speak. We do the same thing. How many more to be like the Apostle Paul? Somebody say, amen. amen. Well, we believe and we speak. We believe and we speak. In Old Testament, go to Isaiah chapter 54. Let me show you this. In Isaiah 54, a verse of scripture that's there, that, that sort of says sort of the same things or tells you what to do. In Isaiah 54 and verse 17, here's what it says. Isaiah 54 verse 17. So many of us have said this. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Everybody say, no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. But that's not the whole story. Again, let's read it as if we're reading it for the first time. And every tongue. What's a tongue? A word, a saying, something said, something spoken. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment. When that tongue rises against you in judgment, God shall condemn. Somebody say no. Say, kick that pastor out. No. It doesn't say God will condemn it, does it? Who does it say will condemn it? Me, you, thou, we, us, you. You shall condemn it. You condemn the tongues that rise up against you. You're the one that does it. How do you do that? With your mouth. That's how you condemn. You do it with your mouth. The devil's a liar. I just condemned the devil. That's what I, the devil's a liar. <laughs> the devil's a liar. Just condemn the devil. That's one thing I've done, boy. I love to rub it in the devil's face. When you get a blessing from God and God does something for you, and the devil said you couldn't do it, and you do it anyway, and it, and it happens in your life, and you got it. It is so much fun. Notice this. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. How many is a servant of the Lord? What you have inherited then is the right to condemn every word that rises up against you. That's your inheritance. You got the right to condemn it. Every word that rises up against you, you got the right to say, nah, no, 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 not on my watch, not in Jesus' name. No, no, no. The Bible says this. The Word of God says this. The Bible says, by his stripes I'm healed. Bless God, by his stripes I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, I condemn the pain. I condemn the sickness. I condemn the disease. I condemn it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it will not prosper for no weapon. It will rise up against me and no weapon is going to prosper against me. In Jesus' name, I condemn it in Jesus' name. Devil, you're condemned. Don't uncondemn him. Don't parole him. Don't parole the devil. Amen? Don't let him off his ungodly hook. Don't let him off. Don't let him off. Don't let him off. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This ain't something Leon made up or anybody else made up. God's the one that said it. He said when these things rise up against you, you condemn it. And he said, that's your heritage. That's your right for you to do it. And what you can expect to see God to do then is to step back and you have at it. And that answers all the questions when you hear these people say, well, how come so much evil in the world? How come so much problems in the world? How come this person didn't receive a blessing or that person didn't? Because they themselves didn't step into their place of authority and receive the promise of God in their life. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Then the next word they say is, well, you're just condemning us. No, I'm not condemning you. I'm setting you free in the name of Jesus. 
That's what happened. It set me free. And if it did me, it has set anybody else free. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. 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 That's, that is how it works. That's just, just what takes place. I mean, there it is. There it is. And, and we've got these choices in our life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right now. Right now where you are at. Right, faith is a right now thing. I was going to. i got to go there. Go with me. Go with me real quick. Look into the book of. I'm going to give you two places and we're going to try to shut her down. But look at Romans chapter 8. Let me show you something. A lot of people go to Romans 8 with this passage of scripture and they need to back up just a little bit and really see some things that's there that maybe you read and you didn't read and thought you heard and you didn't hear. But in Romans chapter 8, oh my, let's come around to verse 24 here in just a moment. But here's the issue. Here's one of the biggest problems in the church today. The church doesn't want to say anything or really even believe anything until they see it. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to believe anything until they know it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to believe it until they experience it. Well, I wish one day God would do that for me. I wish one day that God would touch my life that way. Oh, one day I'm a believing for the Lord. Give me the greatest blessing in this life. Oh, when's it going to happen? I don't know. But one day I'm believing for God to do it. And it's just going to be a wonderful thing. We sing songs about, oh, won't it be wonderful over there? Won't it be wonderful over there? It will be wonderful over there. It really will. I don't take any way from that song. But if you make that song absolutely about being wonderful over there and you don't ever have any wonders right here, then you got a problem in life. I even named Sheila's dog. His name's Shaggy. Name's Shaggy the Wonder Dog. Shaggy the Wonder Dog. I wonder why we paid so much for that dog. But anyway, Shaggy the Wonder Dog. Shaggy the Wonder Dog. So have some wonders right here on this earth right now. Have some wonders right now. You don't have to wait forever. What you have to do is this. Your faith has to be now. It ain't now. It ain't faith. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from you because if it ain't now and it ain't faith, you might have some hope. Hope's good. It's good to have hope. I have the hope of, of my salvation. I have it present. There's this theological terms. You could look them all up. But I, I have my present salvation. It, it happened in the past at the cross. And I'm believing for my future hope and redemption of the body. I'm not redeemed in body yet, but I will be. Uh, and have the resurrection. So we've got a past, present, future hope and salvation and faith in God. It's, it's good to have hope. I've never been there before. I've never been to heaven before. But I have a hope that if I leave this earth before God sort of wraps up brings us back, that I'll go and spend a, a, a few years or a few days or something in heaven. Amen. How many has a hope of heaven? Say amen. amen. I do. I have a hope of heaven. Amen. I have a hope of, of heaven. I've never been there, never seen it, never experienced but, but I have that hope. I have a promise of Scripture that I can base my hope on. Hope's good. Hope's good. But faith amen. is always now. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does the Scripture say? Now faith is the substance. Of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. And so faith is now. Faith is always now. And if it ain't now, it ain't faith. What could it be? It could be hope. Hope's a building block of faith. But hope don't get you anything. I can hope to go to heaven all day long. 
And unless something happens before this day's over, I'm probably going to stick around here in Lawrence. Right? And I can still have a precious hope. It is a wonderful hope. It's a wonderful hope that should I leave this earth and go to heaven. That's a wonderful hope. But, but it may not happen. Man, it hadn't happened right now. And, you know, it hadn't happened in the last five seconds or since I even said that. So, you know, it's not a now thing. It's, it's a hopeful thing. Now, look in the scriptures in the book of Romans chapter 8. Paul said this, Romans 8, verse 24, for we are saved by hope. Now, Paul tells us other places, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, but through grace and through faith are we saved. We understand all that, and Paul does too, but he's talking about the hope of eternal life, the hope of the resurrection, the experience that we have in the future. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that you see ain't hope. You're not hoping for something. I mean, I, I couldn't sit here and say, I'm, I'm hoping for an iPad. I got an iPad. I'm not hoping for an iPad. I got one. And now this is an iPad Pro. It's, it's a very nice one. And they may have made another one since I bought this two weeks ago. No, about a year ago now. They changed so quick. And so maybe they got a new one by now, and I might be hoping for the new version. I can hope for that, but I can't hope for the iPad Pro I got. I got it. Everybody say, he's got it. I got it. There ain't no hope for that. That's what Paul said. In verse 24, he says, For we are saved by hope, and hope that is seen is not hope. If you can see it, you're no longer hoping for it. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't go get you something to eat, and they bring the, you know, plate to you if you went to a restaurant if you were at home and they brought something to you and to eat and that kind of stuff and you sit there and look at it and say I, I hope I got something to eat I mean it's right there all you gotta do is start eating it's right there you're no longer hoping for it now you can and I've been in some places sometimes remember several years back we had these tornadoes go through and it cut the power out at, at our house and so we said we'll ride in town and get something to eat we rode down to the clock and I said I hope their power stays long long enough to cook me something to eat that's legitimate but once they got the food to my table, I quit hoping. Right? Started eating then. Hope is always out there. Somebody said, will you be healed? I hope so. That means it ain't going to happen for you today. Because hope's always in the future. You've always got it way out there in the front. One day, somehow, someplace, somewhere, just maybe, I'm believing God's a good God, and He is. He's a loving God, and He is. He's provided for my healing, and He has. And I just hope I get it one day. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? You don't keep hoping for what you can see. That's knowledge. You know you got it. It's not even faith. It don't have to be faith. You get, I mean, it doesn't take any faith. If I say, you know, I want to spend 20 bucks a day, that don't take any faith for me to spend $20. I got $20. If you got $20, you go spend $20. You don't have to have faith to get $20. You got $20. Now, if you don't have $20, then yeah. You might be speaking by faith, but if you got it, then that don't take any faith. You got it. And so recognize there's hope, there's knowledge, and now there's faith. Now look, but if we hope for that that we see not, in other words, you're believing for healing in your body like this woman was, and you're just hoping, you're just hoping for it. If you hope for that which you see not, then do we with patience wait. Wait. Hope always waits. Hope never gets it now. Hope always waits. 
If we're hoping, we're waiting. And so then, if you want to receive a blessing in your life or a promise of God that He's made towards you or anything in the Word of God, if you want to receive something like that in your life, is hope good? It's good. It's better than, you know, not even believing the Word. But it don't get it for you. And if you want something from God today, you're going to have to move from hope to faith. You'll have to move from hope to faith. Why? Because hope always waits. That's what just Paul just told us. Hope always waits. Hope waits. Hope waits. Faith says, it's mine, I have it now. Faith says, it's mine, and I got it right now. I ain't waiting on nothing. I don't have to hope. I, it's mine, I got it now. If you can jump that divide from hope to faith, not just in your mind or your head, theologically speaking, not just there in your reasoning or logic power, but do it in reality in your life, you'll see the manifestation of God's promises in your life. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I was listening to Brother Hagin a couple of days ago. I'd heard him hundreds of times. Hundreds, I don't know how many times I've heard him. I've heard him many times live, but I've heard him on cassettes and CDs and videos and everything else hundreds and hundreds of times. And I heard him talking about the faith and the hope of uh, that he was ta- talking about in his own life and how God experienced in his life faith for healing and, and he received things in his life. And we've got to realize that, that if we have hope in our life, the hope that we have is always future. Faith is always now. I have it and I have it now in my life. That belief has to become first. And the manifestation falls in right there with it. Right there with it. Right there with it. So be honest with yourself. I've had to be honest with myself a lot of things on this. It's clear I wasn't wasn't believing for it. I was just hoping for it. I was just hoping it. I, I did that financially. I did that financially. I was just hoping. I was hoping, you know. A lot of things financially would happen in our lives. And I said, well, until then, I'll keep borrowing money because, you know, I'm going to have to borrow money. I hope it worked out all right. Maybe we wouldn't have to borrow as much one day, but I still had to borrow. But until I got to the place, and I finally realized what the Scripture said, that the borrower servant to the, to the lender. And I became a slave, and I said, well, no, I'm not being that anymore. And I finally believed that God put all my, all my needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I said, well, I'm just going to believe it. I'll never borrow another dime the rest of my life. Never will and never have. That was in 2000 and, uh, 2008 you know, when it, everything failed at that point. It took me 2013 to get out of debt, 2013 to now to become rich. And so all, all that happened in the process of time as those seeds were sown and doing those things that it talks about in the Bible. But you've got to get to that place. And I was honest with myself. You know, obviously, I've just been hoping some things. So I'm going to stop hoping and I'm going to start believing. Amen. I'm going to stop hoping and start believing in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you are a believer? Amen. Everybody say, I am Amen. a believer. I am not a doubter. Stand with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord. Let's make a confession of your faith and my faith. Her faith saved her. Her faith made her whole. Your faith will do the same thing. Will you stretch your hands toward heaven? Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you have spoken through the prophets, through the word of God that I have heard. And because of my hearing, I have faith. I have faith to believe. Therefore, I believe right now. No longer hoping for things that you have revealed to me that are mine already. I believe I receive right now. In the name of Jesus, 
I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I am a receiver. I do not lose. I win in the things of God when I put the things of God into operation in my life. So therefore, I believe. Say it again. I believe. Say it again. I believe. Say, devil, I believe. Say, dear God, I believe. I believe. In the name of Jesus, I'm a believer and I'm a receiver. In the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God is good. He is good. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.